Welcome to TSOH Weekly, episode number three. My name is Alex Morris of TSOH Investment Research Service. With me, as always, Francisco Oliveira, Aravilo Capital Management. Today's topic is going to be Comcast and specifically uh, what used to be called NBC Universal is now called Content and Experiences. We're going to look at the linear and direct-to-consumer video businesses and and kind of what the results have been like for the last couple of years and, and kind of where we think that's going down the road. So Francisco, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, it's Comcast reported last week. And I think, you know, it's a big company. Obviously, the broadband is, is the bigger focus. But what was interesting to me is when we look at the content segment, which is mostly NBC Universal, the old NBC Universal reporting. And if you had told me coming into the quarter that the domestic linear revenues on affiliate fees and advertising would be down, that content licensing would be down 20%, that the losses on their streaming service Peacock would increase by almost 200 million on an incremental basis. You know, I would have told you that, you know, the operating income here would be plummeting big time, but and instead they were actually, it was actually up seven and a half percent. The reason is because the park segment was extremely strong with over 30% EBITDA growth. The studios, uh, which were basically break even the year before, had a, a swing of about 260 million that was on, on the profit side that was boosted by the release of the Mario movie. So they're threading the needle well um, investing in Peacock, um, managing the pressures on the linear pay television side by having other segments perform and on a consolidated basis grow. And I think that that is, is interesting because we know some of these headwinds and tailwinds uh, are, are going are gonna to hurt them, right? Because we know linear networks are still going to be under pressure. I mean, Bob Iger announced to the world that he would – effectively sell them all if, if he could. Um, we're not going to get a Super Mario movies every quarter or every year that's going to deliver a big profit boost to the studio side. And the parks are not going to keep growing 30% every quarter. We already saw that the they said that the Orlando um, parks themselves actually decline on EBITDA basis. Parks will still be growing, right? But it's not going to be 30%. So what's interesting to me is we're growing on a consolidated basis. We're still seeing pressure on, 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 on the linear side and on the investing in the streaming side. And it's clear to me that if they want to grow over the long term, they're going to have to take a path and they're going to have to make some big decisions here coming in over the next year or two, because I just don't think it's sustainable to grow at this rate, given some of the risks that you're seeing in the business. Yeah, let's zoom in on, I think the overall point's correct, right, on on what we used to be called NBCU and now is content and experiences. If we zoom in on media specifically, which is a line item within that segment, you see where the pressure has really, you know, increased significantly um, on on the combined profitability for, for linear and D2C. You go back to 2021, EBITDA for the media line was $5.1 billion. 2022, that number was 3.6 billion, so down, you know, 30%. What's interesting, you can see the split if you if you pull the numbers. It's basically half from Peacock losses growing, and then the remaining half is from the remainder of the bucket. Let's just call it legacy linear networks, right? 
Now you get here to two, Q2, TTM EBITDA for media is, is $3 billion. So we're down another 20% on a, on a TTM basis in six months. You know, we're also at, we're also at the point where the peacock losses are at least in theory at the peak, right? At $3 billion um, or close yes. to it. You also have the, the interesting dynamic where they're at 24 million paid subs for Peacock. Um, year over year looks pretty good. Sequential looks less good, especially given what's going on on the Comcast broadband side where, you know, these 30 million households effectively had free access to Peacock and now they're pushing them to pay. Uh, one of the comments on the call leads me to believe maybe half of those people have been pushed in this direction. And your net, your net increase sequential was, you know, two million households. So not really, not really a great sign in terms of of convincing the incremental customer to start paying for the service, at least in my opinion. I guess my question to you would be, you know, if we get to the end of the year and and these trends kind of hold, you're picking up a million or two million customers every quarter. You know, you still have a pretty small business, but it all works in the context of the content and experiences segment overall. Do you think it's something where they may decide to get a bit more aggressive, uh, either organically or inorganically? And I think just to put a little bit more context around this, April 2024 is really interesting because you have two big events. One is the end of the uh, period of exclusive negotiating windows for the NBA rights for Disney and for Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, so if NBC was interested, that would be a chance to to step in and, and make a bid. The other thing is the two-year shot clock on the WB, WBD merger uh, is is also going to come up. So if, they, if they're looking at an organic opportunity, that, that would be the time to potentially start doing so. So curious what you think on that. Yeah, so the way I would frame it is, and to your point on, on going more aggressive, how do they view the Peacock business? If they want to add two, $3 million subscriber, a uh, $3 million subscribers a quarter, not dollars. And you add two or three million a quarter, they, they instituted a price increase um, a couple of days ago. And, and you manage it like slowly growing, raising prices, and then taking those losses that you said were trailing 12 months, $3 billion losses and going down and going down and going down. As you manage a linear business, maybe cut some costs there and the profits don't hurt you as much, then you can sort of thread the needle there with a service that is going slowly, but profitability is actually improving fast and insulates a little bit of the decline that you're seeing in linear. I could buy that strategy and all, and they would obviously be continuing to license a lot more content. Content license um, was down 20% this quarter, as I, as I mentioned, but they say it's a timing thing. So presumably that will pick up. And that's the strategy. The other point is, here's how I would frame it. Do you want to start adding, you know, maybe $15 million, uh, 15 million subscribers, sorry, 15 million subscribers over the next um, year or so, right? And do you want to get those Peacock subscribers from the mid-20 millions to having a goal of being above 60 million domestically, right? And have a business that starts to get close to where Netflix is and, and beyond where Disney is. Um, and if you want to get there, then that requires, to your point, uh, potentially bidding for the NBA, 
potentially keeping more of your licensing dollars in-house to boost the service. Um, but it could also be an inorganic opportunity where you take Warner Brothers Discovery, you combine it with, N with NBCU, you're going to have divestitures. You probably need to create a new company and spin off assets from Comcast. It's going to be very, very messy short term, but you have a lot of IP that can also boost the parks and you can you you can combine Peacock with HBO Max. It's going to be very, very messy, but you're going to have so much content to actually get to that big global scale. And those are two paths. Um, and I think the point is that Comcast needs to decide. Are you just going to add two, three million sub subscribers a quarter, raise price here and there, could cost and linear and grow profitability? Or do you go in a more aggressive and and we'll see. I mean, I don't, I don't, I can see both sides, um, but you know, Comcast and the, the management team have just kept their options open and we don't really know what they want to do. Maybe, maybe they think they're in a good position Unlike Disney that has to reduce their cost base. They don't necessarily have to do that as much and their options are open and WBD has to manage their high leverage and Comcast doesn't. So they have options. Now, what do what what do they want to do? Up to interpretation, and I can see both sides, but I think they got to take a side. Is the point? Yeah, I think I completely agree with your point. I think I'd add the caveat that they have options to the extent that they're willing to continue eating into the profitability of the media side of the house. And you know, to your kind of original point, it depends what what parks and and studio are doing to the extent it impacts the overall business. I just add a couple data points. Comcast cable side of the house, pay TV subs down 13% year over year in the quarter. It's a big problem, obviously, directly impacts legacy NBCU, uh, PL. Uh, NBA rights, Disney and Warner Brothers Discovery collectively spend about $3 billion a year. Uh, reasonable guess is that that number is you know, going to probably double, maybe more. They don't only be taking a subset of those rights, but you know, that's putting a billion, $2 billion, whatever the number may be of incremental cost on, on a revenue base that, you know, is, is, is struggling to just hang in where it's at today. So um, we're coming up on time, but very interesting to think about Comcast's position. Uh, you and I have long debated, are they being patient or are they dithering? <laughs> a lot of uh, big comments about sports rights on the call in, in terms of driving Peacock. So I'm sure this is something we'll be discussing again down the road. A lot to watch. Agreed.